This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We started, I believe it must have been last week, talking about occupied. Um, and, you know, one of the things we were talking about is the, the commands of Almighty God. And we talked about the first command was to love Him with all of our heart, our soul, soul our mind, mind, and strength. And our strength. And so we're we're going vertical as the first command tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Love him with all that we are. And the second command is equally as important, and that's to love our neighbor as ourself. And and we see in loving God first above all else, we're kind of drawing a picture of a cross. And then loving our neighbor as ourself, we're kind of going horizontal. And that's what we want to talk about today is, is being occupied with him and going horizontal. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came. And the Son of Man is talking about Jesus. You know, the Son of Man. And, and he came to this earth as a human being. He didn't come with all kinds of divine heavenly attributes there's a word the kenosis of Christ that talks about Jesus laid down all of his heavenly powers and attributes he laid them down and he came and he never worked a miracle until he was around 30 years old never worked a miracle or anything and once he was filled with the Holy Spirit that drove him into the wilderness and he was tempted for for, uh, 40 days and 40 nights and then there was miracles for like 3 years of his life and that was after the Holy Spirit has come upon him. Jesus came as a man. And then he poured out Holy Spirit upon us. And he tells us the same power that he had on this earth, you have. If you believe him and you obey him and operate in that. That's what he tells us. You know, but he says, for the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, he came. To seek and save those who are lost. To seek. He's intentionally looking for those who are lost. And he's seeking them to bring salvation, to pardon them. You know, to pardon them, to forgive them. Jesus came to this earth. That's a very significant verse to know. If if you haven't memorized it, I definitely hide in your heart. For the Son of Man, Jesus, he came to this earth. Went through all he went through. Born in a manger. He grew up as a child. He came here to seek and to save. What? Those who are lost. And all are lost. Who don't know. Who have not received and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what he tells us. And then in John chapter 15, verse 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And when you lay down your life for your friend... We're talking about going horizontal. And there are certain careers that you perceive that more than others. You know, uh, law enforcers and, um, you know, uh, military people. And in the last few years, especially in the medical world, you know, people are laying in their life for other people. They, they recognize how dangerous it is to help other people. But he says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. It's where you put your life on the line for your friends. And surely that is what Jesus has done for us. You know, why was Jesus willing to make such a sacrifice? Think about it. Why was he willing to make such a sacrifice? Because Jesus believed that you're worth it. So would y'all help me for just a moment? So to your neighbor and say, you're worth it. You're You're worth worth it. it. Jesus gave his life. He came with all he went through is to forgive us and to give us his power and his strength to write our name in, in the book of life. That's the truth of it, you know. In Proverbs chapter 
27, verse 6, it says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Kisses from an enemy? Do you know anybody who got a kiss from an enemy? Jesus did. Jesus did from Judas. You remember Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and then he led the, the army out there, you know, to the garden at night and he told them, he says, the person who I kiss, that's the one you want to capture. And he came over to Jesus and he, he kissed him and he betrayed Christ with a kiss. He identified him with a kiss and he thought they were just going to lock him up or, you know, interrogate him or something or another. He, he really didn't know that they were going to crucify him. And that's why he felt so bad afterwards and, and all that. But, but he betrayed his Savior with a kiss. And the scripture says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Now, think about this. Wounds from a friend. Have you ever wounded a friend? Intentionally? Think about it. You, you ever heard of this statement? I've been hearing this since I was a kid. It's advertisements, commercials, and all. It says, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that acted out where people take the keys of their friend and go, you're not going to drive home tonight. You're not in any condition to drive home. We'll give you a ride. We'll call you a cab or, or something or another. If, and people get all upset. You give me back my keys. You have me, blah, 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 blah. And then the next day, once they wake up and they've come out of their, their intoxication, they go, thank you for caring about me because I was not of the right mind to drive home. So that is wounds from a sincere friend. And, and that statement helps us to understand. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. And friends don't let friends die without knowing Jesus. If we believe, as we should, because the Bible says there's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. You know, without Jesus, there's no way to get to heaven. And friends, just don't let friends die without letting them know about Jesus. I love you too much not to at least let you know that he forgives you of all your sins. It's not that God's going to weigh the good and the bad. And if your good outweighs your bad, you're in. It don't work that way. It's just he offers us pardon. And we believe him and receive it. We are pardoned. We are forgiven. And friends, don't let your friends die without knowing about Jesus. That's just the way it is. And then in Psalms 107... Verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you have been forgiven by Christ, if your life has been redeemed, and you have been changed, transformed, he says, let the redeemed say so. Well, I've been redeemed. Now, how many of you know that there are certain things that happen in your life, it's just so awesome, you're going to tell somebody? Okay. I didn't see nobody raise their hand. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about something I know about. How many of you guys go fishing? If you catch a big fish, would you tell somebody about it? Yes. If you say yes and you're a fisherman, I understand that. I take pictures also and send them to my friends. Say, Look what I caught. This is awesome. The biggest fish that's good news to me. And another fisherman go, wow, that is awesome, man. And my next question is, what'd you catch it on? <laughs> I mean, that's just what I ask. What'd you catch it on? Because I can't keep good news to myself. And, and, and we must share the good news. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, you know. He, he is your true friend who pushes you who nudges you closer to Jesus. Not shoves, but nudges you a little closer to Jesus. That's a true friend. And if you get upset with someone and fuss and cuss at them because, oh, it's all about Jesus. You know, it's like they take that risk because they love you, because they believe. 
what the Bible says and they know that God would forgive you and he'll help you in your times of need. He, he pardons you and that, that they know that and they can't help but to tell you all this wonderful thing. You know, God's kingdom advances when believers get so excited they tell other people about it. About what Jesus has done. Has, has Jesus ever done anything for you guys? Yes. Absolutely. And, and, and you can't help but to tell friends, neighbors, family. And, and often we've been in situations where a total stranger. You know, I was standing outside of a Costco a few years ago. And there was another guy standing out there. Because I didn't want to be shopping. But I was just guarding the place, you know, while my wife was in there shopping. You know what I'm saying? And he was standing there beside me. We got to talking. I shared Christ with him and I prayed for him to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior right there in front of Costco's. He said, well, you can't do that. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Why not? You know, if someone was getting ready to get bit by a snake or a bee and you saw it's like, hey, buddy, come over this way. You'd, you'd, you'd warn them and you'd tell them and you'd give them good news. It's a safer place to be. And, and, and we just must share the good things that God has done. Anyhow, in John chapter 1, verse 35, it says. The following day, John was again standing. Now, this is John the Baptist. Who that we're, we're reading about, John the Baptist was the forerunner. He came, prepare the way for the Lord, you know. He's sharing the gospel, so when Christ came, they would accept him. And this is John the Baptist who had disciples. He had students, you know, who were following him and helping him minister to people at that time. So this is John the Baptist. I want to clarify that. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. So John points those who are closest to him, his disciples, his followers, he points them to Jesus. Even though they're his disciples, he points them to Jesus and says, Now, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Followers are our disciples, you know. And John did not mind the fact that they left helping him in ministry and went to go follow somebody else, you know, Jesus. That was a positive thing. John was going horizontal. He was reaching out beyond his own self. Jesus looked around and saw them following what do you want? He asked them. The King, John, King James Bible says, what seek ye? What do you want? Oh, what you're seeking? Why are you following me? Is the essence of it. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. What, uh, where are you staying? They wanted to know him. They wanted to get to know him. Where are you staying at? You know, we, we want to get to know you better. Come and see, he said. So here Jesus gave them an invitation. He says, hey, come and see where I'm staying at. Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. And see, anytime you spend time with Jesus, you'll never be the same. It changes you. It genuinely, he changes us for the better. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 13 and, and here were, uh, is a religious council. These were the religious people, and they were kind of interrogating the followers of Christ and evaluating them, and they were somewhat critical about all that. But here in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They, it says they were amazed that that Peter and John were bold, unapologetic. They knew what they were talking about. They were bold, it says. And they, for they could see that they were ordinary men. The, this council saw, these guys are so bold, but they're ordinary guys. They're ordinary guys, and they have no special training in the scriptures. The, 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 these guys, they're just normal. They're ordinary. You know, they're, they're not really authorities on anything. 
He says, uh, They could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That was the thing that stood out significantly. They recognized, you've been with Jesus. Your, 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 your manner, the words that you say, the hope that you give, the forgiveness you talk about, heaven and how to get there. They could tell these guys have been with Jesus. What a label to be put upon you. How would you feel if someone labeled you and says, I can tell just by your lifestyle and the way you act and the way you care about other people, you've been with Jesus. I would consider that a compliment. Wouldn't you? Yes. I really would, you know. And that's what was happening here. Back in Jesus' day, people could recognize, hey, you've been hanging around Jesus, you know. Back to... John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon. He, he went horizontal. He heard the good news and he went to go find his brother because he wanted to tell his brother the good news. Do we tell our family the good news of what Christ has done for us and what Christ will do for them? That's a wonderful thing to love people and have gone horizontal you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then you love your neighbor as yourself. You, you want to share this wonderful good news with others. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. The Christ means the anointed one. The one who was anointed to take away the sins of the world. And here, Andrew said, We found him. We found him, you know. We, we found him and he, he just couldn't keep this wonderful news to himself. Like if, if I caught a great big old fish, I'm going to show you a picture of it, you know. I'm going to send you a picture. I'm going to tell you if that was good news, if I deemed that was good news. But I'll tell you what, finding out about Jesus is a whole lot better than catching a fish. Genuinely, it's fantastic news. More about Andrew, we find here where Jesus was teaching to the multitudes, and he said, feed them. And in John chapter 6, verse 7, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. 500 men. 5,000. 5,000 men. Thank you for the correction. It's a long day, all right. Yeah. 5,000 men had followed Jesus along with their wives and their children and they followed him out into a wilderness place and they clung to every word that Jesus was saying. It was such wonderful, fantastic news that was around 15,000 people counting the 5,000 men, their wives and all their kids and all. And, and the day was coming to a close and they were tired and, and weak and Philip replied here, you know, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. <laughs> what good would five loaves of bread do and two fish? Well, 5,000 men plus their wives and their children. What good would that really do? But one thing that we do see, there were some people who were believers. They believed that Jesus, if he said feed them, he had a way to do it. And there were some people who believed him and they followed him. Then, Going back to John chapter 1 verse 42. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Hmm. Andrew led Peter to Jesus. And Andrew, he was focused on bringing people to Jesus. I don't know. Are you ever really focused? I mean, it might happen accidentally. Kind of just in a situation where someone asked me. But are we focused on that? Are we actually looking for that in our life, I, I, I'd like to find some, Lord, help me to find someone today that I can encourage in their relation to get closer to you. Because, see, Jesus, He transforms us. He brings about a change that we can't make. And there's a lot of people who need such a change. We can't change people, but Jesus can. Our job is just to get them to Jesus. You know, we can't make unfaithful spouses become faithful. We, we can't make an unfaithful wife, an unfaithful husband, 
We can't make them become faithful, but Jesus can. You know, we can't make alcoholics stop drinking. We can't make drug addicts stop using. But Jesus can. So if we can get them to Jesus, Jesus can do anything and all things. And our job is just to get people to Jesus. And you see that quite often in the scripture where someone will say, come and see. You come, you know, as the scripture does say, taste and see that the Lord is good. You come and check it out for yourself. That's what I'm talking about here, you know. You come and see. Jesus sees way beyond, you know, who we are. He sees beyond that, you know, to whom we can become, you know, in him. Jesus sees your potential of what he created you for. He sees that and he can bring about that change. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And then he told them. He is Jesus. And then Jesus told them. Go into all the And what percentage is all? 100%. Go into all the world. That's bigger than the United States, right? All the world. And that's just what, because we're living here, we're thinking it relates only to us here maybe. But it says, go into all the world. And preach the good news to everyone. Everyone. What percentage is everyone? 100%. So you say, well, well, God never nudged me to talk to anybody about Christ. He says it cold turkey right here. No misunderstandings. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Jesus' final words were to spread the gospel to all the world. And it seems ironic that most Christians have never personally led another individual to Christ or even shared their faith with an unbeliever. When you ask people, when's the last time you, you actually led someone to Christ? You shared the good news with them and then you offered to pray with them to let Christ come into their life. And it's kind of rare. But it's the only way a person can get to heaven is to accept Christ and to receive his forgiveness. And God loves us and he commissions us to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then to go horizontal to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. How many of you want to go to heaven? Definitely. And if you have a neighbor, if you love your neighbor as the way you love yourself, you want them to go to heaven too, don't you? Yes. But the only way to get there is through Jesus. So we got to share this good news in a very palatable kind of a way. Now, I came across this article, and it says our two older children, ages seven and nine, seem to attract every child in our neighborhood for after-school games of hide-and-seek. Our youngest daughter, Carrie, was, was, was not quite three, and in the minds of her siblings, she was always in their way. Ten minutes into a game, our little one would get pushed aside or skin her knee. And one afternoon, Carrie came through the front door again in tears. And, and my wife Elizabeth tried to comfort her. Let me see here. Can you hold my water for a second? This is where I hide my bag now. You know. are freshly made and let me just go ahead and apologize I don't have enough for everybody I'm so sorry but one day I'm going to assign my wife to make enough of chocolate chip cookies for everybody and these are gluten free anyhow Lord bless it in Jesus name amen hmm Would you like one? Sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Don't forget the story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know this is funny, man? Can I have my back? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was going to open the lid for you. I thought you were trying to get my cookie. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Pretty good. Pretty good. Did you get one? Uh, yeah, I did. Hmm. To make this accurate with the story, I should eat another one. <laughs> You're looking at me funny. I'll just eat a little piece of one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One afternoon, <coughs> Carrie came through the front door again in tears. My wife Elizabeth tried to comfort her by giving her two freshly baked cookies. Therefore, I ate a cookie for you guys, so you already know what that kind of looked like. You probably already knew what it looked like, didn't you? You actually wanted to probably see it a little closer. Now, don't go and tell the big kids about the cookies yet, she cautioned. I haven't got enough for everybody. She was cooking them but it was going to take her quite a while to have all of her cookies done. So she told her little three-year-old girl, Carrie, she said, don't tell the big kids yet. It took less than three seconds for Carrie to make it to the screen door, fling it wide open, and announce to the big kids, cookies! I got cookies! I got cookies! <laughs> cookies for her was a big deal. Goodness. It was good news. Goodness. And although they didn't always accept her in their games, she was telling them the best news that she had. And she understand when mom said, don't do it, because they're not all ready yet. She knew they would get ready eventually. And she was telling the best news she had to those in her community, you know, cookies, I got cookies. And I think that's so inspiring from a little girl. She, she couldn't help, she couldn't contain herself. She shared the best news that she had. Now let's go back here to Mark chapter 16. Let's start in verse 15 and go on. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. To everyone, and if the best news you got is I got cookies, well then tell them that. But there's a lot better news than that. And that Jesus has risen from the dead. And if we'll call upon him, he will forgive all of us. He'll write our names in the book of life. There's wonderful, wonderful news. And we were talking about in the last service, you know, so many of us, you know, throughout the nation, throughout the world are praying, you know, for revival. But revival begins with us as believers. You know, it's that we um, become alive again, you know. And so, and what happens when we become alive is that we share our faith with others. We tell others of the good things that Christ has done for us. And we have a, a border collie. His name is Tracker, and he's 14, almost 15 years old. And, what well, it's a couple months ago, um, he started acting a little bit off. He and, came down with old dog syndrome. And old dogs get that. We didn't know there was such a thing. Yes. But he has old dog syndrome, so he kind of... He does a lot of circling, holds his head down. Yeah. He kind of sleeps a good bit. And uh, if he's walking beside me, by me holding the leash, I can take him walk anywhere. If he goes by himself, he'll get out there and he'll kind of circle around a couple times and lay down. But... But we found out that there's a cure or at least something that will help old dog syndrome. 
we are taking care of a, a puppy, an eight-month-old puppy for one of our family members, and that has sparked new life in our dog tracker. And I think there's, you know, sometimes in our spiritual walk with God, we may be experiencing old dog syndrome, old Christian syndrome, you know. There's not much pep about us, you know. We may seem like we're going around in circles sometimes. And, you know, but the best thing that can happen to us is to share with others what Christ has done for us. And that will spark new life. When you see, when you're around a new Christian, a young Christian. And they're someone, telling you what God's doing in their life. And they're excited it, about it. It revives us. So it does. God would have us to share our faith with others. Everywhere. He said, go into all the world. Tell everyone of the good news about Christ. What so, kind of dog is she? She is an Aussie Shepherd Golden Lab mix. So full of energy. I'll guarantee you. I don't care what you drive. It might be a tractor trailer. But she can pull it. <laughs> she is powerful, strong. And uh, we're teaching her, and she's learning. But she has inspired Tracker. Tracker don't go around circles so much anymore. And Tracker gets up, and he gets on about his business, and he's kind of like the great-great-grandpa. And she looks up to him, and she's learning things from him. He's kind of watching over her there, you know, and she looks to him. And things that she never did a week ago, she is doing, uh, she'd never been outside. Well, she'd been outside, but she's not an outdoor dog. She went out for a visit, but she's not an outdoor dog. But since she's been to our house, she's been an outdoor dog. You know, and she loves waking up in the morning and watching the birds trying to fly into her kennel and get a piece of dog food. She watches them and chases them off and the squirrels and all. Anyhow, and as you watch her, she's full of excitement and life. But what about, do you know men and women who are excited about Jesus? Young folks get excited about Jesus? Or I think that's what we were. We were young teenagers when we came to know Christ. And we were an inspiration to other people. We, we didn't really know that. But as Susan pointed out, that, and we discovered this, the cure for old dog syndrome is having a young dog around. You know, genuinely is. And having young men and women who love Jesus it really changes an old heart. That's it? That's it. Okay, let's, let's read this passage uh, once again. What, what, uh, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Anyone, what percentage is that? 100%. Anyone who f- believes and is baptized. Baptism is, is pretty important because baptism... Is like my brown paper bag. Baptism is an object lesson. You know, we have a baptismal tank down here under where we're standing right now. We'll, we'll be actually having a water baptism this coming Saturday night. Immediately when we say you may be dismissed, it'll take us about 10 or 15 minutes and we'll have a water baptism with all those. There's a bunch already signed up to be baptized. But baptism, there ain't nothing holy about the water. It really isn't. There's not no spiritual significance other than obeying Christ. It's an object lesson. When Jesus died, what did they do with his body? They buried him. They they buried him. And so when we accept Christ as our Savior, we die to the old sinful nature that has controlled us. We die. So when we get water baptized, you know, uh, we'll, we'll take somebody and we'll dunk them under the water because when you die, you bury them. And that's what the scripture says. We're buried with him in baptism. So we, we go under the water. We're acknowledging. We're acting out. I've died to my old sinful nature. I've been buried with Christ. In the same way, when Jesus rose from the dead, we immediately come back up out of the water, testifying to that resurrection power that Christ made available to us. It flows to me now. And and that's what he's talking about. Anyone who believes, anyone, 100%, and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. If if you don't believe in Jesus, there ain't no way to get to heaven. And you can say and debate that, and it might not be fair. Well, that's that's between you and God. He said we must believe. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, is what he says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever 
believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father who's in heaven except through me. John chapter 14. Passage after passage after passage tells us of this horrible disease called sin and the cure for it. And that's the forgiveness of Almighty God. And he changes things. He really does. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. The, the, he's going to tell us of some miraculous signs that will accompany, will, will, will be there with those who believe. <laughs> they will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak in new tongues and new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Now you got to understand, he's not talking about playing games, like picking up snakes and showing how great your faith is and doing this and doing that. No, just like, who was that in the New Testament? Who was building a fire after shipwreck? Paul. Paul. He picked an armload of, of firewood, threw it in the fire. These people had been shipwrecked. They were cold and on the shore. And he threw this pile of wood into the fire. And it was a snake, and a very venomous snake. And it bit him, latched on, and it was just hanging there on his arm. And all the people who lived on that little island came out and said, He must be an evil man. Although he escaped the shipwreck, that serpent, it was a deadly serpent, had bit him. And he shook the snake off into the fire and went about helping care for people. And then the people, they knew it was just kind of like a minute. He should have been dead. Then they all, oh, please tell us what you have come here for. We perceive that there's something special about you. And see, if he accidentally got bitten, you know, or somebody tried to poison you or something, all those things, the scripture says... These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. This is going horizontal. Now, is this for ordained pastors? No, this is for believers, just like we all it are. It says, believers. these signs shall follow what? Believers. Those who believe. You know, and many times in our own lives, we've ministered to people here at our church, but we've ministered to neighbors, we've ministered to people at the grocery store, at the service station, hiking on the mountain. You just name it. And if someone brings up, the, well, I've not really been feeling good today. And then we'll ask them, we'd like to pray for you. And the Bible says you can lay your hands on the sick. And Papa God, I ask your blessings upon this woman here. I acknowledge that your kingdom has come and your will is being done on this earth. Same way it's being done in heaven. And may it be done in her. Heal her as you said you would do. In Jesus' name, amen. That's God's business what he does with her now. He said believers will lay hands on the sick. And they'll recover. That's what he said. That's his business. And, and we happen to believe him. And if you're a believer, well, the first thing we do, hey, do all the other things you think you should do, that's okay. But I think the first thing we should always do is pray one for another if you're in a situation like that, right? Yeah. Last Sunday we had a, um, we went to a birthday party for our grandson, Dakota. And we got he home. He was one year old. We got home and we were um, going into the house bringing in the stuff that we had taken with us and I was carrying a pretty good size and heavy uh, electric <clears throat> skillet that I had made some cream corn in. Still had a good bit of cream corn in it and as somehow as I was going up the few steps into our front door, I, I don't know what happened but I fell down hard and I fell on my, my knee that I have trouble with sometimes already and I hurt my back and I hurt my foot. She took a hard fall. It was a hard fall and so I just laid there for a, you know, a few minutes. Ronnie came right over and he laid hands on me and prayed for me. And uh, so I was able to get up and get moving around and do what I needed to do. was still a little bit sore and stuff but that night before we went to bed which wasn't that too much longer after that that we did uh, go to bed and he uh, I just said could you pray for me one, again before I go to sleep and so he did he laid his hands on me and prayed for me and 
The next morning, I was fine. I was, I was actually amazed at how good I felt, as hard as I felt. And, um, and then I was thinking, well, you know, sometimes the soreness doesn't hit you for, but for a day or two, you know. But it never came. You know, God healed me. And, and it was pretty amazing. He, he honors his word here. Just as simple believers that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And last night I lost my voice after singing and, uh, and, and teaching with him and being it was, it in and so out of... quiet around our house. <laughs> being uh, in and out of air conditioning and the heat, I don't know. I felt fine, but my voice was absolutely gone when I woke up this morning. And I'm like, hey, you know, you, you may just have to have at it on your own today. But again, he laid hands on me, prayed for me, and my voice was restored before we got here at 8 o'clock. So... It works. God honors his word. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor or any. It's just believers. 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 If you believe his word, you qualify. And then he goes on. Well, let me read part of verse 18. They will be able to place their hands on the sick. Believers. And they will be healed. That's what Jesus said. They will be healed. And when the Lord Jesus had finished talking, as he's telling them what he's commissioning them to do, and when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere. Now, what percentage is everywhere? 100%. The disciples that he had already said, go and share. And the disciples went everywhere. They went horizontal and they preached. They were sharing the good news, the positive things that Christ had told them. And it says, and the Lord worked through them. The Lord worked through the believers. That's the way he works. He works through people. He worked through believers. He worked through them. The King James Bible says, you know, he worked with them. Other translation says he worked through them. Both are true. God works through men and women today. He works with us today. And he's looking for any man, woman, boy, or girl who believes. And you go, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's okay. That's all right. But he says he works with them. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said, the good news, by many miraculous signs. And the Lord worked through them, and I'm telling you, absolute gospel truth, the Lord will work through you. If he's not already, he will work in you and through you, and he will become a blessing to others who are in your sphere of influence as you get this book. And you get this book on the inside of you, you know. And he tells us, if, if you abide in him and his word abides in you, you can ask what you will. And it shall be done. That's, that's just what he tells us. John 20, I mean John, John 12, verse 20 says, Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Hmm. That's the cry of so many people in this day and time. The cry of their heart, but that you may never hear it out of their mouth. But there's a cry, I'd like to meet Jesus. I'd like to be forgiven. I'd like to start life all over again. There's a lot of people, if they knew how, they would get things right between them and Jesus. And there's these ones who came to the disciples and says, you know, sir, we want to meet Jesus, you know. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. What do you think Jesus said when they, they went and Jesus said, well, Jesus, there's somebody here who wants to meet you. What do you think Jesus said? Oh, no, I'm too busy. I don't have time to meet any people. No. No, he came to this earth for to, people to, seek to go life. horizontal, to seek, <coughs> excuse me, and to save those are lost. That's what he came for. And we, we need more Andrews in, in this world right now. You know, people who are committed to bringing others to Jesus. We, we need some old Andrews and we need some young Andrews. 
we, we need some teenager Andrews and, and we need moms and dad Andrews and, and uh, you know, grandmoms and grandpapa Andrews and, and we need church leader Andrews, people who will lead others to Christ and people who are committed to, to leading them and introducing them to Jesus because that's what it's all about. It's the best news and everybody needs that news. Like everybody needs oxygen, you know? Everybody needs the forgiveness of God. Everybody needs the hope that Christ gives. And he says in his word, Hebrews, that we can go boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find hope in our time of need when we need it most. He's available to us. A lot of people think that God's mad at them. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. God loves us. And he is so willing to forgive us no matter what. He's so willing to pardon and forgive. That's why Jesus came to seek and save. To seek them, find them, and then save them, forgive them the loss. That's what he says. And then he has gotten, you know, our attention by forgiving us. And then he commissions us to share this good news with other people. That's what he tells us to do. John chapter 1 verse 42. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael. His brother. And told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? There might be a little prejudice there, you know. You ever heard somebody say something maybe about the town you were born in? Or the city or the state that you lived in or something? And made a negative comment about it? Well, that's kind of what was going on here, you know. There was a little prejudice, you know. And Nathaniel was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, Philip, he doesn't give up because he doesn't have all the answers. But he says, come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Come and see. You know, can you answer all your questions, but come and see. Meet Jesus for yourself. Meet Jesus for yourself. Come and see is what he's telling him, you know, and uh, that's a really good method of evangelism today. Hey, the scripture says, taste and see the Lord is good. Check him out for yourself. Put him to the test. See if he doesn't do everything that he's promised that he will do, you know. Uh, So much John shared it with his disciples and Andrew shared with his brother and Philip shared with his brother, you know. We need to start with those who are close to us, who is in our sphere of influence, maybe family, maybe fellow workers, uh, maybe neighbors, whoever, we need to start sharing the good news. That's what he tells us to do, you know. Think about who God is placing on your heart right now. Think, well, you know, maybe I could reach out to someone. I know who it is. And maybe I would invite them to church. Offer. Let's go out for a breakfast afterwards, and we'll discuss what we learned, or maybe go to lunch together, or maybe we give them a, a video or, or a Bible or a track or or some method, because friends share the greatest story ever told with a friend, because God alone can forgive us and 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 pardon us. Uh, there's a little boy who was attending uh, Sunday school for the very first time. And his mama asked, who was your teacher this morning, honey? And he said, I don't know, but she must have been Jesus's grandmother. Because she didn't talk about anybody else the whole time. It was Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus this. What a wise grandmother that was. <laughs> You know, imparting the most wonderful story has ever been told that, that, that we were known about that 
she was just talking about him and his word. And we need to be full of the good news, God's word. We need to do what the command says, to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and then to love our neighbor. When you love your neighbor as yourself, how many of y'all want to go to heaven? How many of you want to be forgiven? Well, then we want our neighbors to go to heaven. We want them to be forgiven. We want them to have God's presence and the hope that he offers them. We want them to have the wisdom that God brings to us. So we must be God's spokesman, not licensed, ordained, not some kind of orthodox of this or that, but just a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. Psalm 66 verse 5 says, Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people. This is a very tight can. It is. Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people. He made a dry path through the Red Sea. And his people went across on foot. I'm making a dry path through the Red Sea up here, just so you know. This is sand, okay? I'm sorry, Suzanne. <laughs> she, she's a blessing. She cleans up. Oh, messes. Read that verse again. Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. He made a dry path through the Red Sea. A dry path through the Red Sea. God did that. That was pretty miraculous, wasn't it? Can Balls I read it again? water on either side. Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people. People just like you. Did you know God performs miracles for people just like you? That's what he's telling us here. He made, he made a dry, dry path. path. Through, through the, the Red, Red sea. sea. You know? He made a dry path. God made a dry path through the Red Sea. Where they could walk through on dry ground is what it says here. And his people went across on foot, not boats, on foot. And they, there, we rejoice in him. He's amazing. And God's crazy about you. And there ain't nothing he wouldn't do for you. He loves you. And we just need to learn to love him with all of our heart. It don't just stop there. With all of our mind. Our soul. Our soul. And our strength. Our strength. To love him with all that we are. That's the first command. And then the second command is to love our neighbor. We go horizontal. We love our neighbor as, as we love ourselves. And, and that, that will fulfill all the Ten Commandments. Because if you love your neighbors yourself, you're not going to steal from them. You're not going to kill them, you know. And on and on and on. When you love God with all and you love your neighbors yourself, you go horizontal. That will bring about fulfillment to all the other uh, commands. John chapter 4, verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. Now, this is the woman who was at the well. The woman at the well. And she was talking to Jesus, and Jesus was talking to her, and he revealed lots of things in her life. Lord, we just ask that you just bless those, wherever that emergency vehicle is going right now. They may be going to help somebody that we know. And we just ask that you help them on their way there. Help them meet the needs of those who are in need, and, and minister to those who are traveling as well. Meet their needs and draw them unto yourself in Jesus' name. Anyhow, this, this woman with her water jar, she heard the gospel. She heard Jesus talking about wonderful, amazing things. And he knew everything, every detail, every little detail about her. So the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. She, she, she went horizontal. That's what she did. She went telling everybody what Jesus had said. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Every, 
Somebody told her everything that she had ever done. This was not a fortune teller. This was not some hocus pocus. The only reason he told her that because she said, Jesus said, hey, hey come get your husband right here. Well, I'm not married. And Jesus said, you're right. You've been married five times. And the guy you're with now, you're not married to him. You know, so they weren't playing a game. Jesus just exposed her life because of what she was saying. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And then if you'll continue to read all through that, then they believe in Jesus. Not because she said, but because they met him. But the reason they met him was because what she said. She told them, they came out, they met him, and they experienced miracles in their own life. They experienced the forgiveness of Almighty God because of their relationship at that point in time. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. You are. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You can show others the goodness of God. For That's he, going horizontal, isn't it? Yes. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Cookies? I got cookies! <laughs> Tell the good news! He's brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light the scripture tells us. Back to John chapter 1 verse, verse 47. This is the last verse we're going to read. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here, speaking of Nathaniel, is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Now, I can only imagine. They don't give us the details, but Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel was probably there praying. A, a faithful man, he was seeking the best he knew how to see God, and he was probably asking if somebody would just show yourself to me. Would you help me? And Whatever he was praying about, and Jesus said, I saw you under that fig tree. That's what he says before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these, than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man. Now, now listen to this next part. This is significant. You may have never heard this before. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. He says, me, the Son of Man... The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, we happen to be on earth right now. Now, when I was a teenager, young teenager, there was a song out there. It's called Stairway to Heaven. It sure wasn't the stairway to heaven. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is the stairway to heaven. Between earth and heaven, and in John 14, he says, I am the way and the stairway. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. And the thing is, is we love God. And we have, you know, been commissioned by the almighty God to share the good news, you know. What's that word right there? Occupied. We've been occupied with the presence of God for a purpose. And he has commissioned us to go horizontal and to share about there's only one stairway to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way and he's the only way. The truth and the life. He said this, John chapter 14, verse 7. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. So how are people going to get to heaven if they reject Christ or if they've never heard about him? 
and, and, and he just loves us. He just wants to forgive us. He wants a, a relationship with us. God cares about us. And once we're occupied with him and about his word, we learn about him and we find out how much he really does love us and he does care about us and how he wants to work in us and he wants to work through us. Let's bow our heads right now if we could. And I'd like you to join me as we reaffirm our faith in Christ or maybe you're here with us or maybe you're, you're uh, watching online. Maybe you've accepted Christ or maybe you have never accepted him. Maybe today is the day to join us as we pray and welcome Christ in our life as our Savior. Would you join us right now? Would you join me? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he gave his life for me. And I believe he gave his life for me. Because he deemed I'm worth it. Because he deemed I'm worth it. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I accept Jesus Christ. And I accept Jesus Christ. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my King. As my King. And as my friend. And as my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.